You know, as we know, when we look at the relationship, Old Testament stuff, when we look at the the relationship between uh, the Israelites and God, there's this sort of ebb and flow, you know, peaks and valleys, this back and forth. I mean, basically, you have a relationship between the people and with God, where God is always faithful to the relationship, and the people are constantly unfaithful, or repeatedly, I should say, unfaithful. They go through periods you know, peaks and valleys of, of fidelity. And basically what's outlined in, in uh, the book of, of Chronicles in, in the first reading today is that. Um, and this is basically how it goes. The people would be faithful for a while and then they would start to become unfaithful. They'd stop honoring the Sabbath. They'd, they'd stop, you know, um, you know, having uh, docility to, to, their, to their heavenly father. They start to break the commandments, et cetera, et cetera. And then God sends them a prophet. And then they either kill the prophet or they just really mistreat the prophet. And then after that, God punishes them. And then they say, huh, this isn't working out. Maybe we should be faithful. And then they're faithful for a while and things go well. And then, you know, over and over and over. So it's, it's this constant back and forth by God's people. And that's what the, the first reading chronicles, <laughs> that's a pun, um, letter, book of Chronicles. So it, it goes through the, that, that story, um, which is, which is you know, fascinating on a number of, for a number of reasons, because you would think that the collective memory of the people would keep them faithful. After so many times, of their infidelity and then their punishment, and then they're coming back to God and saying, oh yeah, that's right, this is what we're supposed to do. You'd think that they would get better at it, but in fact, they don't. And then we hear about how finally, um, the Babylonians, of course, conquered you know, the, the Holy Land, and they took all of the, the Jews into, into exile. Because that's what you would do, right? Because if you, we're going to conquer another people, you basically wanted to obliterate their identity. So you would you'd conquer that people and then you take them away from their land and they of course destroyed the temple. I mean, this was a tragic, tra- I mean, incredibly, um, uh, incredibly you know, difficult moment for the life of Israel. Traumatic event, destroying the temple, destroying the place where people meet God. You know, uh, think, think of your own parish church, our, our church here. You know, if, if the, this church were destroyed, the church is not, of course, you know, God, but it's where we meet God. The church itself could look like any number of things. And of course, they all do. The point of the church is that that's where we meet God. That's where we encounter God. And so if that is destroyed, that meeting point between ourselves and God is also destroyed. And so for the Jews... Their entire identity was based upon them being chosen by God. They were God's chosen people. The temple's destroyed. They have a completely lost identity. Then they're shipped off to Babylonia. And they understand very well what has happened. You know, in the, in the psalm response, we hear, by the, by, the, by the waters of Babylon, we sat and wept, remembering Zion. You know, longing to go back. You know, longing for another chance to go back so that they could once again encounter God there and also reclaim their identity as his people. 
And of course, as we know, finally, it's uh, King Cyrus of Persia who, who liberates them and they're allowed to go back to the Holy Land. This back and forth and back and forth. We get to the, to the Gospels, and of course, this, this is all unfolding into God's plan, this back and forth, because in the back and forth, he's teaching through discipline, he's teaching his people. It's the same thing with raising children. I mean, if you don't raise your children with any discipline, God help the rest of the world. <laughs> now we gotta put up with your children when they become adults. But the reason you keep going back and back every time your children um, you know, disobey or, or break rules and you discipline, that's good. It's good for them. All the children are very happy that I'm saying this. Keep doing it, parents, because you're teaching them something about relationship. And this is what God was doing too. Now, in the fullness of time, of course, he sends his son, right? He sends the last prophet. He sends his son to basically break this cycle. This, this, this one last prophet, Jesus Christ, being God, will be, as we know, killed. But instead of just another you know, great prophet being killed and then having to send another one and do it all over again, the cycle is broken in Jesus Christ because through his death, in, in, a, in an amazing twist of God's providence, it is precisely through his death that his people are then saved of their sins. No more sacrifices are necessary because this sacrifice is enough to undo all of it. Now, I dare say that there's quite a few of us who might look at our own relationship with God and then say, you know, my relationship with God is a whole lot like the Israelites. It's back and forth and up and down. You know, for a while I'm really, really faithful and then, and then I, I go away, you know, for whatever reason. Maybe that's, you know, maybe a person stops praying. Maybe a, st a person stops going to mass. Maybe a person just starts to, starts to, to live a bit of a double life. You know, they go to church, but they don't really, they're not really godly people or they just sort of forget about it during the week, whatever it is. And so the, the ebb and flow goes in our own lives as well just like it did for the Israelites, back and forth and back and forth. You know, and it's, it's really common for people to, to have that same experience, just like the Israelites, they stop, you know, being godly, they, they, they stop living the truth, and then all of a sudden their life starts falling apart. And they say, huh, this isn't good. <laughs> maybe I should think about God again. You know, maybe I should bring God back into my life. Maybe that's what's wrong. That's certainly a big thing that's wrong. And they come back. I'm sure I'm telling many of your stories right now. I'm telling my own. I'm pretty much telling everyone's story. And then we come back to the Lord. And we give our lives more, more thoroughly over to God and his will for us. And it's not as though our problems all go away. But all of a sudden we have a strength and a help that we didn't have before. You see, what God has done in Jesus Christ, his son is he sent us the remedy. He sent us the cure. So we don't have to be in this endless cycle of back and forth. We can stop that cycle because we have the divine physician, Jesus Christ. All we have to do is want the cure. All we have to do is want to apply, you know, that medicine to what's ill, what's wrong with us. I mean, think of it physiologically. 
You know, if you had a gaping head wound and you were, <laughs> I'm trying to think of it in a very uh, striking way. If you had a gaping head wound and you're bleeding, you know, and somebody says, hey, I'm a doctor, I, I could fix that. No, nah, I'm okay, it'll be all right. No, no, really, I, I think maybe you need, like I don't think a Band-Aid's gonna do it, or hydrogen peroxide. I think I could sew it, you know, and no, I'll be fine, <laughs> okay? And people walk around their lives spiritually this way for decades sometimes. And we would never do that physiologically, it's ridiculous, right? It's a ridiculous analogy, but it's, in one sense, but of course it's a very apt analogy because spiritually people do this all the time. They're broken spiritually, absolutely broken and decimated spiritually and in need of healing. And there's one person who can heal. The solution is here. You know, the healing is here. The medicine is here. The physician is here. It all goes back to Jesus. And all we have to do, all we have to do is look at ourselves and say, you know what? I need some healing. I've been living my life in a way that I ought not to have. And now I'm ready to face it. And so turning back to Jesus, that's what, that's what conversion is. We turn back to Jesus, we admit our faults, and we say, please, give us the cure. Because it's free. It only has to be asked for. So during this Lent, um, we're halfway done. When I, Just earlier in, in Ashford, the server asked me, yeah, Father, how much longer is Lent? I said, I know it's really long, isn't it? You know, it's our fourth week. If it was Advent, we'd be done. You know, tonight would be Christmas, like, like we only had the four weeks, barely a fourth week this year, or this past year. But we're only halfway through. We're only halfway through. The other thing that happens when we're about halfway through is everybody's messed up all the things they were going to do for Lent. <laughs> I don't want to say everybody. Some of you are probably doing really well. But lots of people have, you know, not made it you know, all that well with their, their resolutions or their penances, whatever it is that you're doing for Lent. And maybe you didn't do anything. All right, well, we're only halfway there. So let's get back to those things we said we were gonna do. And if you didn't have anything, well, let's, let's make good use of the next three and a half weeks. But also in that, let's examine our lives and say, you know what, what do I need to give back to God? What am I hurting that, that need, is in need of some uh, you know, some revitalization, some, some healing, some, some medicine, some what needs to be fixed in me? And how can I give that more over to God? How can I, can I be willing to be honest with myself about that and turn to God and simply say, Lord, I am sorry. Please forgive me and please heal me. He's waiting for this event to occur for every single one of us. Please stand.